Okay, Shalom Aleichem. So we're pretty much finishing up this section of the Gemara, this Mishnah, of the different Peturim, Ezek V'mitzvah, Achilas Aray. So as a means to try to get some closure on this, so I want to see a few Rambams. I want to see the piece that was written by Rosalvechik. He leaves with a question. I'm not trying to answer his question. And based off of how we answer, we are going to answer this question of Soloveitchik, I'm going to go back already to our first shi'ar, introductory shi'ar, where we asked why are all three of these cases brought together in the Mishnah. And I'm going to go ahead and readdress that question based off this Chiddush we're going to say in the Rambam. So to start off, I want to see these Rambams together. Right now we're going to read them, read through them, just to make sure we have a clear pshat. We're not going to analyze it right now. We're going to see what Rosalavichik has to say, and then after we see what Rosalavichik has to say, we're going to go ahead and try to answer everything up. So we'll start with the Rambam. The Rambam does something actually quite interesting. He has he couples all of Hilcha, Shofar, Sukkah, and Lulav together. So if you open up, you know, in Perak Dalit, it'll be talking about Hilcha Shofar. In Perak Vav, it's talking about Hilcha Sukkah. And in Perak Zayin, it's talking about Hilcha Lulav. I'm not sure why he does that. But that's how it works. Um, so in Perak Vav Halacha Beis, the Rambam says as follows: A sick person and their helpers are part from a sukkah. That's already a mission of Chafei Aleph. Is also going to be Pater. That's a Gemara Chafav Amad Aleph. Mitzdaya Pater Min That's the same Gemara there on Chafav Amad Aleph. That a person who is distressed due to the sukkah, he is exempt, but not his helpers. Now we have to a new question: What's considered a mitzdayer to exempt you from sukkah? There's a person who's so disturbed that he's not going to be able to sleep, either due to the wind or to the bugs or anything similar. The wind, a smell. All of these things are going to be different basis to go ahead and give him an exemption. That's halacha beis. Halacha gimel. Ha'avil chayev besukkah. A person in mourning is obligated in sukkah. The chasen v'chol shashvinan. When it comes to a chasen and all of his caretakers, v'chol b'nei achupa, and anyone who's in part of the wedding party, they're p'tuen mina sukkah kol shivas yimei mishta. They're exempt from sukkah all seven days of the wedding party. A person who's in the midst of performing a mitzvah on his way to perform a mitzvah. The pater from sukkah, they're exempt both day and night. A person who's traveling during the day is exempt from sukkah during the day. They're exempt at night. I'm sorry, they're obligated at night. But if they're walking, traveling at night, they're exempt during the night, but they're obligated during the day. Meaning to say, whenever they're traveling, they're exempt. When they're not traveling, they're obligated. A person who is guarding the city, he's exempt from sukkah during the day while he's guarding, but he's obligated at night. And just the opposite. If he's guarding the city at night, so he's exempt during the night, and he's obligated during the day. But when it comes to someone who's guarding a vineyard or a garden, they're exempt both day and night. Because if this guard makes a sukkah, 
then the thief is going to come and realize that this watch guard has a fixed place where he stays. He's going to go and steal from another place. Meaning he calls like Rava, that Pirza Kor the Ganav. Right? That's the Gemara we saw. Again, on Chavav Amalef. Says the Ramam in Halacha Hei. Ketad hi mitzvah yeshiva basukah. How do we perform the mitzvah of yeshiva basukah? Shea ochel v'shosev adar basukah kol shiva sayamim. A person will eat, drink, sleep in the sukkah all seven days. Bein v'yim v'yim v'layla. This, whether it's daytime, nighttime, the same way he lives in his house the rest of the year. And those, all those seven days, he'll make his house temporary, and he'll make his sukkah fixed, like it says in the Pasuk. He'll sit in a sukkah for seven days. How does he perform that? All of his beautiful vessels and his sheets are going to be placed in the sukkah. And all of his drinking utensils, for example, his decanters and his cups will be in the sukkah. But all of his cooking ware, his pots, his pans, all that will be out the sukkah. His chandelier will be inside. But if it was too small, then he could place it outside. That's Allah Haheg telling us how do we actually perform the mitzvah of Yeshiva Sukkah. Allah Havav, Ochlin Veshosin Veshenin Besukkah Koshiva. A person can eat and drink and sleep in the Sukkah all seven days, both day and night. And it's forbidden to eat outside of the Sukkah all seven days. And this, it's a non-fixed meal. It's a non-set meal. It's a snack. And that is the size of a kabeitza, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but around there. And you can't even have a catnap outside of the sukkah. But it's even permissible to drink water, eat fruit outside of the sukkah. That doesn't constitute a chilas and a fixed meal. But someone's stringent upon himself, and he doesn't drink outside of the sukkah, even water, that's praiseworthy. Two more halachas, and then we're going to get to the grid, and then try to break into this. Says the Rambam in halacha zayin, achila belayla yontif harishin besukkah chayva, to eat in the sukkah the first night is an obligation, even if someone eats an uh, olive portion, a kazayis, a bread, he fulfills his obligation. But after the first night, that's already optional, it's not obligatory. If he wants to eat a suda, he can eat in the sukkah. But if he wants to, he can only choose to eat fruit or kernels. You can eat outside of the sukkah then, the same way that we have by Achilles Matzah B'Pesach, that you can eat it the first night you have to, and all the other nights you don't have to, but if you want to, it has to be Matzah. If someone eats, if someone's eating in the sukkah, and the rain falls on him, so it's raining outside. He goes inside his house. When is he allowed to go inside? Mishiyadu l'teich ha-sukkah, tipo shim yiplu l'teich ha-tav shil? Yifaseid. 
right? It has to be that the drops, the rain drops are so big that it fell into his food, it would ruin the food. Even if it was a lentil soup, it would also ruin that. Let's say he was eating in his sukkah, and the rain fell, and now he came inside to finish his meal. Now, while he's eating his meal, the rain stopped. Says the Rambam, He doesn't have to go back into his sukkah until he finishes his meal. Or similarly, if he was sleeping, and rain fell on him at night, and he came into his house, and now after he came into his house, the rain stopped. We don't force him to go back into his sukkah the whole night. He can sleep into his house until dawn, and then that's when he has to go back out into the sukkah. So we saw here quite a few halachas in the Rambam. They pretty, at first glance, they seem pretty straightforward. We're going to see what of Salavechik was bothered by when it came to these Rambams. We're going to throw in a few more questions and then try to answer everything up. Hashem. So comes along Rav Salavechik and he says as follows. Right, in regards to the second din of the Mishnah, of Chilin and the Mishamshim, they're exempt from Sukkah. Says The exemption of a sick person seemingly is different than that of a person who is distressed from the Sukkah. Why is that? Under all circumstances, a sick person is exempt from Sukkah. Even though I'll have that same degree of pain, of, of uncomfort, discomfort, in his house. Nonetheless, he's still exempt. Numazos, in contrast, a person who is distressed from the sukkah is only exempt only when he's disturbed from the actual fulfillment of the mitzvah inside the sukkah. And if he stayed in his house, he won't feel that pain anymore. Meaning to say that when it comes to a sick person, he's always exempt from being in the sukkah, whereas the mitzvah is only exempt when going inside is going to alleviate his discomfort. But if it doesn't alleviate his discomfort, he still has to be in the sukkah. Now comes along Rosalvechik and says the next step. Now let's define what this mitzvah is. The Rambam establishes what constitutes a person who is distressed? He's unable to sleep for the above aforementioned reasons. from the Rambam and implies It's not that he is a little uncomfortable. Me to say that it's more, it's not so comfortable in the sukkah and he's more comfortable in the house. Rather, it's so bad that he's not able to sleep inside the sukkah and fulfill the mitzvah of dwelling in the sukkah properly. He's too disturbed. Right? We know that an cover a big part of mitzvah sukkah is sleeping in it. So if it makes it to the point where he's not able to sleep, so then he's going to be exempt. Venira Meha Rambam, and it seems like from the Rambam himself, that a person who nonetheless sits inside the sukkah and he pushes himself in this fashion where he's mitzvah, he doesn't fulfill the mitzvah whatsoever. 
Because inasmuch as he's lacking entirely the condition of he's not able to live there like he does in his house. So then, says the grid, it's not constitute like he's dwelling in the sukkah whatsoever. Now he wants to prove this claim. And that's clear from that which the poskim wrote. A person who is mitzayah, nonetheless, it's in the sukkah, is called a fool. Why is he a fool? Because he's not doing any mitzvah. He's just sitting there in pain. Now comes along, so that's how he wants to define a mitzayah. Now he wants to contrast a regular mitzayah to Yardu Geshamim. It says the grid as follows. Yardu Geshamim, the sukkah, Pasuk HaRambam, V'zel Yarud Geshamim, Hariz and Nichnas Techabayas. If rain falls, then the person inside the sukkah is able to go into his house. When's he able to go inside? When the raindrops are so big that it fell into his food, it would get, it would ruin the food. Now explains the Slavichik, the Shinusha the Rambam Mora, the language of the Rambam teaches us, Shabiyardu Geshamim that when rain falls, there's an allowance, there's only an allowance to go inside the sukkah. Where is he coming from? It says that he's mutadifanos, it's permissible to go inside. So he's saying, he's making a precise reading, a diuk, and saying that when it was Yardu Geshamim, there's a heter to go inside. But that doesn't mean that the, the situation is a situation where there's no mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah whatsoever. And if a person would continue to sit in the sukkah, even when rain would fall into his food, nonetheless he fulfills the mitzvah. And with that we could explain, Why did the Rambam separate the halacha of regular mitzvah from the din of Yadu Geshamim? Meaning to say that the Rambam wrote that when it came to a mitzdayer, the mitzdayer he wrote in Allah Chabez, Allah Chabez, he wrote the exemption of a mitzdayer. Where did he write the exemption of Yardu Geshamim? Yardu Geshamim is all the way down in Allah Chayud. So if Yardu Geshamim is another manifestation of the exemption of mitzdayer, how come he wrote them in two different halachas? So that he wants to explain that inherently they're two different things. When it comes to the Petur Mitzvah, that's called a hafka, a complete dissolvement of the mitzvah of Yeshiva Sukkah. There you're not obligated. Whereas when it comes to Yardu Geshamim, when it comes to Yardu Geshamim there, what are we going to claim? We're going to claim that you're still obligated, there's still a mitzvah, you just have an allowance to go inside. Yeah. Because when he's sitting outside, while he's in Mitzvah, there's no Mitzvah whatsoever. However, when the rain falls, nonetheless, he still fulfills Mitzvah Sukkah. That's how he wants to explain the Rambam. Now he's going to ask on the Rambam, and he's not going to have an explanation for this. Says the, says the grid as follows. Biram, however, from the Gemara in front of us, we could come to that. We should come. We should come to the opposite conclusion. Why? There's an explicit Mishnah on Chavches Amad Beis that it's permissible 
that when the rain falls, to leave the sukkah. The mitzdayer, but when it comes to mitzdayer, the umazos in contrast, the Gemara has a discussion whether or not he's exempt or obligated under a circumstance of mitzdayer. Mashma, the implication of the fact that the Gemara even had a suffix is that when it comes to rain, there, it has to be that it's universally accepted that there's no mitzvah whatsoever. There's no fulfillment of the mitzvah whatsoever. But when it comes to a person who's just disturbed from the sukkah himself, there's only an exemption, the person doesn't have to do it. But there still is the tzurasa mitzvah here. There still is the ability to fulfill the mitzvah, even though you're not obligated. And therefore, since that's the doubt, therefore, there was a discussion in the Gemara whether or not this exemption actually existed. That's his first question. And secondly, he wants to ask, from the Mishnah that we mentioned earlier, the Mishnah there says, What is this comparable to? That when rain falls and makes you unable to fulfill the mitzvah, to a slave, to a servant, who came to pour his master a cup of wine, and the master, in return, poured a bottle of water all over his face. Mashma, the implication of that mashal, that parable, implies when the rain falls there's no fulfillment of the mitzvah whatsoever and therefore the stance of the Rambam needs a lot of help and that's the end of the grid in, in short, what did he do? he contrasted chilet to mitzvah once he defined mitzvah he contrasted that to yiridus kashamim and once he contrasted the regular exemption of mitzvah to the unique exemption of Yudhis Kashamim, he asked on his conclusion from the Gemara itself two different questions. That's what happened here, and now we're going to go and attack all of this and try to be Miyashiv the Rambam. So let's first discuss his first question on this uh, sugya. His first question is that when it comes to the mission of Chav Chesam and Be'ez, everyone agrees that Yudhis Kashamim is an exemption, whereas he wants to claim that when it comes to the Petur of Metzdayer, that's a discussion in the Gemara. Now, if that's true, he wants to say as follows. If we have a universal exemption, it has to be, right, how come something is universally accepted as an exemption, whereas there's another situation, which is not universally accepted, rather it's a discussion. So the way he wants to address this is by saying there's certain things which we know are clearly not even... uh, circumstances, they're not situations that you can have a fulfillment of mitzvah sukkah. And that would be a case of Yeridish Kashamim. And in contrast, there are times where it could be that there is a mitzvah if you perform it, but you're not obligated. And there, that's only in those circumstances, that could be where there's a discussion whether or not there's an exemption or not. That's, that's his assumption in asking such a question. So I want to attack both of the, the way he's reading the Gemara and his assumption as follows. Now, when it comes to this, the Gemara and Dachavav Amad Aleph, the Gemara never has a place where it openly questions the exemption of Mitzvah. What it does have is it brings a Gemara 
And it brings different examples of a Ptormid style. So the Gemara starts with Cholim. In this Gemara of Cholim and Misham Sheyen, first it brings different circumstances. A Cholim is exempt, even if it was Chashpa'ina, if he was Chashpa'reshay. Then it brings that Rabbi Yossi allowed someone to sleep outside the Sukkah because he had uh, pain in his eyes. The Gemara brings two different cases afterwards, right? Immediately after an allowance of a Cholim, it brings Rav Sharlet of Achabardal and Ming the Bekilsabasukamishumaki. It brings one example where Rav, where Rav allowed of Achabardala to sleep inside a sukkah that had a netting over it to keep him away from the bugs. Keeping away from the bugs is a normative case, is one of your archetypal cases of Mitztayar. And the Gemara says that as a statement of fact. That's what was. That happened. Now, the Gemara brings another case. Rava Shari Leila Rabbi Acha Bar Ada the Ming the Bar Mitalasa Mishum Sircha the Gagashta. Rava allowed Rabbi Acha Bar Ada to sleep outside of the sukkah because the floor of the sukkah smelled badly. Again, another example of an incident that occurred that an Amora allowed another Amora to sleep outside of the sukkah due to the exemption of Mitzdayer. Now these are both not refuted cases. And now, inasmuch as they're not refuted cases, that's two examples where the Petur Mitzdayer exists. Now says the Gemara, Rava letaimei, Rava, who allowed Rav Acha bar Ada to sleep outside of the sukkah, he's going according to his opinion, because Rava is of the opinion, Da'amei Rava Mitzdayer patam in a sukkah, that a person who is Mitzdayer is exempt from sukkah. Now asks the Gemara, Rava holds Mitzdayer's patam in a sukkah, asks the Gemara, Vaha anantanan, we taught in the Mishnah, Cholin u'mesham sheihen p'turin min ha-sukkah. Chola in mitzdayer lo. The Gemara asks a question. Based off a precise reading of our Mishnah, we could derive that only a chola is exempt from sukkah, since it says Cholin u'mesham sheihen p'turin min ha-sukkah. That means specifically a chola, but not mitzdayer. And therefore, a question on Rava, Rava, how can you say mitzdayer is patah min ha-sukkah? Although the precise reading of our Mishnah implies that a Mitzdayer is not exempt from Sukkah. So the Gemara responds, and I assume that's where Rav Salvechik is coming from. That's what it means that the Gemara has a question back and forth whether that actually exists, that exemption. And the Gemara answers, Amri Chilehu Misham Shev Turin, Mitzdayer Hu Potter Misham Shevlai. The Gemara answers, what's that distinction? The distinction isn't whether or not Mitzdayer has an allowance, he's an exemption from Sukkah. Rather, the discussion is in regards to the Mishamish, the helper. The Mishamish of Achila gets an exemption, whereas the Mishamish of a Mitzdayer doesn't get an exemption. That's the distinction. Now, in his, that's very clear, I think, where Salvechik is coming to land his Suffolk, his doubt. It seems to me that that's not the, the suffix of the Gemara. The suffix of the Gemara is not in logic, it's not in Svara, whether or not it's viable to understand that there's a, an, a, an exemption called Mitzdayer. Is, is that really true? There's an exemption called Mitzdayer. Svara dictates otherwise. The question of the Gemara is a very technical question. The question of the Gemara isn't Mitzdayer can't be an exemption. The question of the Gemara is how can you say Mitzdayer is an exemption if the Mishnah itself doesn't mention it. The Mishnah should mention it. And from the fact that if you make a precise reading in the Mishnah, you could 
actually understand that there is no exemption, you would never know, you couldn't extrapolate from Chola to Mitztayar, so then maybe the fact that that was omitted from the Mishnah implies that it shouldn't be. Now, is that a question in logic that Mitztayar is, wouldn't be a Torah from the Sukkah? No, it's a question in a technical read of the Mishnah. That the Gemara responds, we can address that technicality. And the Mishnah is making a distinction between only the Shamash of a Chulin and not the Metzayin himself. But when it comes to the, the Ptur, the Ptur is a bona fide Ptur, and that no one disagrees with. Now, why does it make a difference if the Gemara's question is a question based off a precise reading of the Mishnah or if it's based off logic? If it was based off of logic, then I could understand where Salvechik is coming from. Because what's he want to do? He wants to, st- he wants to, he's claiming that inasmuch as the Gemara presented two different sides to whether or not the exemption of Mitztayr actually exists, that indicates that Mitztayr is the nature of the exemption of Mitztayr is a lesser grade exemption. It could be, this is still part of what the Torah mandated, this is still a mitzvah, just you're not obligated, you have an allowance to leave it. That would the, the fact that this is a lower grade exemption would only make sense to me if the basis of saying that this is not an exemption was due to logic. It was as far as saying that this type of exemption is different. But here, that's not where the Gemara is coming from. The Gemara is coming from a precise reading of the Mishnah. The Mishnah only mentioned Chola. I can't extrapolate onwards. So if that's true, the fact that the Gemara questioned whether Mitzdayer is included within the tour of the Mishnah or not has no relevance and has no revelation in regards to the nature of the exemption. So therefore, that first question, I wouldn't be bothered from. Now, in regards to the second question, Rosalvechik wants to say that the fact that the Mishnah says a mushal, mushal to an evid who pours a cup of water on his head, the implication being that there's no obligation, there's no fulfillment of the mitzvah whatsoever. So now, where is he coming from to make that claim? My assumption is that if a person comes to pour water for the master, and the master goes ahead and dumps a bottle of water on your head, so therefore, what's the mitzvah? And the mitzvah is kilu connecting to the master. So if the master dumped it on your head, he's showing you that what? That you're not, he's not interested. Get out of here. No way. And that, why Rashi says that, that whole experience is a simenklala. It's a, why is it a simenklala? Because you're so far removed from your master that you don't even have the right to pour. You can't pour a cup of wine for your master. You're not involved. I assume that's how he's learning the mashal. And now I would propose another way to read the mashal. Imagine, yeah, what are we looking for? We're looking for a simenklala b'chag. We're looking for a basis of understanding why it's a bad thing if it rains. So now, let's say, I'll give you a different mashal. The mashal is, you have a, a ma- you have a, you have a servant and you have a master, and the master asks you for a cup of wine, and you go to pour, and circumstantially it's impossible for you to do it. Circumstantially it's impossible for you to do it. Why? Because you're trying to pour the wine, and someone opens up a hose and shoots the hose on your head. So now, the master keeps telling you to do it. Come on, pour me the wine, pour me the wine. And you're not doing it. It's impossible for you to do it. So now, that's also, I would assume, is a simenklala, right? That's also a bad omen. So now, what's, what's the bad omen here? The bad omen is 
either that the master is pouring water on your head, and even though usually you're the guy pouring the wine, today you're not pouring the wine for me. Or no, the master is asking you to pour the wine, but practically speaking, you're not able to, because there's a, there's a, a flood of water pouring on your head. I assume, in my opinion, both of those are viable interpretations of the mashal, of the parable, of the of the Mishnah. The both simon klala, they're both a bad omen. They're both a way to depict a person who's trying to do something for the master and unable to do so. And I think they're both logical. Inasmuch as that's true, what could we derive from the Mishnah? What are we deriving from this mashal? He wants to derive from this mashal that a person's not even obligated. He's not obligated? Maybe it's even worse if a person's yes obligated, but practically the master is the one making you unable to perform your obligations. Maybe that's a worse simon klala. Maybe that's a, bit, a worse bad omen. So from that, the mashal itself, I wouldn't know that Yavidish Kashamim is more of an exemption than a normative mitzvah. I'm not sure what he wants here. So therefore, the two questions he's asking on himself, I wouldn't know to ask such questions, and just the opposite, I wouldn't think that's a difficulty in the Rambam. What I do want to do now is go ahead and explain the stance of the Rambam. We'll ask as follows. We saw Halacha Beis, Gimel, and Dalid. Yeah, Halacha Beis being the Ptur of Choyle and Mitzdayar. Halacha Gimel being the obligation of an Ovel, but the exemption of a Chassan. And Halacha Dalid being Shluchei Mitzvah. Shluchei Mitzvah and the, te- the Pturim of Teshu Kein Taduru. Now like this. In Halacha Hei, the Rambam starts off, This is a Pella. It's wild. Astonishing. Why in the world, if the Rambam's coming to explain to us what Mitzvah Yeshiva Sukkah is, why is he starting in Halacha Hey, Mitzvah Yeshiva Sukkah? Halacha Hey, you're asking that? Is that Halacha Aleph? Halacha Aleph, there's a Mitzvah called Mitzvah Yeshiva Sukkah, and how do you do it? You sit in the Sukkah, you eat there, you drink there, you sleep there, you live there. That's, that's Halacha Aleph. Comes along the Rambam, no. What happened? So I'm going to claim as follows. I assume that the Rambam did this very, very precisely. The Rambam starts off, and What are those? Those are all people who are not obligated in the mitzvah. They're not obligated. There's no mitzvah, Yeshiva Sukkah does not speak to them. Similarly, there's no mitzvah of yeshiva sukkah. Shluchei mitzvah, teishvu kein teduru, of holchei drochim, of shemrei ha'ir, shemrei ganos padesim. All these people, these are people who are not obligated at all in mitzvah yeshiva sukkah. When the Torah said, besukkah's teishvu shivas yamim, the Torah was not talking to them. And then, once that's true, we've defined who is the Torah yes talking to. So it comes along halacha hey. And says, Kate said he mitzvah yeshiva sukkah. So now that guy, everyone else, so how do they perform it? Very geschmack. Now, like this. The Rambam breaks this up. Halacha beis gimel dalid. I want to jump into this. I want to tap into this. Chulin mesham shehin and mitzdayar all put together. Yeah? Chulin mesham shehin and mitzdayar all put together. So, what's the common denominator between them? My assumption is the common denominator is that these are people who are exempt from sukkah due to discomfort? Is that discomfort coming from the sukkah itself? Or is it coming from external 
non-sukkah-related issues, it doesn't make a difference. A person, Allah Chabayiz, is a person who's exempt from sukkah due to discomfort. Now, what degree of discomfort do we need? Says Rambam, he can't sleep. He can't sleep. We saw Mordechai earlier. It could be already in the second year we talked about this Mordechai, that the parameter of knowing when a person's exempt is if this was circumstances going on in his house, so then, so then if it's going on in his house, so then he could get up, he would get up and leave. So similarly, he can get up in the sukkah and leave. Why did the Rambam say like that? Although the din is Teshu Kain Taduru. So Mordechai seems right, yeah? What's Teshu Kain Taduru means? However you would be in your house, you have to be in your sukkah. So say that's simple, right? Like the Mordechai. If you were, this was going on in your house, you would get up and leave. So then, if this is happening in your sukkah, then what? Get up and leave. She was talking about sleeping. Why sleeping? Right? I say it even worse. A guy, you know, sleeping is a very sensitive thing. There's things that we put up with the whole day. Noises, different sounds, smells, temperatures. We put up with the whole day. But when we try to go to sleep, they're much more of a nuisance. They disturb us. So I would say that what would be the halacha? Something, there's a smell that would prevent you from sleep. But that smell... You could deal with while you're sitting and talking to your friend. Can you get up and leave the sukkah? According to the Mordechai, no way. Not happening. Why? In your house you wouldn't get up and leave. So how could you leave the sukkah? According to the Rambam, you could leave. You can't sleep. Ah, you're talking. Who cares? My assumption is why the Rambam did this is because the Rambam was looking for the most... He wants to make a clear rule. What's Mitzdayar? According to the Mordechai, Mitzdayar is very, very subjective. Depending on what you're doing is going to determine whether or not you have an exemption? Comes the Rambam and says, no way. What's the most sensitive thing you're obligated to do in sukkah? Sleep? So then whatever would bother you to the extent you can't sleep, that's mitzvah. There's one rule here. There's one parameter. It's not changing based off your action. That's halacha beis. Halacha gimel. Ovel chayv besukkah v'chosin v'chosha Why does this warrant its own halacha? What's, what's special here? Ovel's chayv. Chassan's potter. Chassan's not a shluchay mitzvah. Chassan is shluchay mitzvah. That's halacha dalad. Why is it distinct? I assume, I assume it's distinct because the nature of chassan and the nature of shluchay mitzvah is very different. Shluchay mitzvah is when you're doing something before you, you're active. You're actively doing something which gives you a ptur. What's chassan? Chassan is tirda. Tirda, you're sitting, you're being passive. There, that you're getting a p'tur, even though you're a chasen, that's a whole different p'tur. And that's why we bring avil. Avil is also tirda. But since the Gemara on Chafayim and Bey says avil is a tirda de rishos, says the Rambam, avil, that type of tirda, tirda de rishos is chayiv besukkah. The chasen, oh, that's a tirda de mitzvah? There he's pater. That's halacha gimel. Now why does it say chol shashminon? Shashminon are a normative case of osik be mitzvah. I assume that's coming... Agav, chasen. It's coming as, as a, an extension of chasen. Once we said chasen, then we threw in the other key people that uh, also get an exemption due to being misameachim, due to making him happy. Halacha dalid, shluche mitzvah, halacha drachim shemineir, either two different things. One shluche mitzvah, one's teshvu came to duru. Yeah, that's true. But these are all people who are getting a p'tur because they're actively doing something. They're actively involved in an activity right now, whether it be a mitzvah, whether it be rishos. But this activity 
is an activity that because they're doing it, this is either a mitzvah, it's normal living life circumstances, situations, a person's allowed to have a job, whatever the logic be, but these are activities which he's allowed to be doing, and since he's involved in them, the Torah doesn't obligate him to be in a sukkah while he's doing them. So again, this is a type of person who is warranted up to her. The Torah is not speaking to him. There's no mitzvah of teishvu came to do There's no mitzvah of besukkah's teishvu, shivas yomim. Now, how come halacha gimel comes before halacha dalit? Right? Other rabbis say shluchim mitzvah. Right? The Gemara says that shluchim mitzvah. And then say tirda. Why is the Gemara bring his first chasen and then shluchim mitzvah? The Ram, I'm sorry. The Ram first brings chasen and then shluchim mitzvah. Why not bring it the opposite? My assumption is we saw back in the, you know, Shia 2 already, Shia 1, Shia 2. We had a machlokas Rashi Tosfos and how to understand and how to understand the drushas Beshivtech Abbevesecha Vanechtech Abbevesecha. Tosfos was of the opinion that Beshivtech Abbevesecha really is the exemption of Chasen in as much as it's passive and based off the context of the Pasuk, it should be referring to something passive. That's Tirda, that's Chasen. Whereas Abbevesecha Abbevesecha, that's something active. That's Shluchei Mitzvah. Why? Because they're actively involved. And then we, again, we have to take the context of the Psukim into account while we're determining what the exemption they're expressing is. So if that's true, then the Rambam is very Gishmak. If the Rambam learned like to us, that's why. Because the Rambam is saying Allah Gimel based off the order of the Psukim. That's passive. That's Chasen. That's active. That's Shluchei Mitzvah. So the Rambam is saying Allah Gimel based off the Seder Psukim. Now, once we've told you, yeah, through halacha beis, gimel dalid, who's exempt, now we know if you're not there, you're chayev, comes along the Rambam, and he says, halacha hey, so how do you do it? How do you do mitzvah sukkah? Geshmak, he tells us how. Eat, drink, sleep, live, beautiful. Halacha vav. You can't have a sudas kva. But you can have a Sudas Arai. Now, Arai is very interesting, right? Arai we had in the Mishnah Chafei Amar Beis, Chafei Amar Alav also, that your Eichlin Vishesin Arai Chutz Sukkah. All right? We're going to get back to that in a second. So we see Achilles Arai Chutz Sukkah is in Halacha Vav after we already brought the people who have an exemption. So even though you have an exemption from Achilles Arai, Nonetheless, it's brought halacha vav after we already established that this is talking to a person who's obligated in sukkah. Then we bring achila laila rishen as a mitzvah. It's a chiyuv, I'm sorry. And then we bring yardu gishamim. So yardu gishamim is very gishmak, like Rav Salavechik. Yardu gishamim, really, you're obligated to sit in sukkah. For sure. I'm sorry, I take that back. Yardu gishamim, there still is a mitzvah sukkah. Why? Because this is not called mitzvah that the sukkah itself is bothering you. The sukkah is bothering you. The sukkah is not bothering you. Circumstance is bothering you. The situation is bothering you. And therefore, says the Rambam, when's it permissible to leave? It's not a of the mitzvah itself. It's not a dissolvement of the mitzvah. The mitzvah is still here. It's intact. The Torah is speaking to you. But even though the Torah is speaking to you, there's an allowance. Even You don't have to sit here. But if you do sit here, then you get schar, you get reward for filling mitzvah yeshiva sukkah. Very gishmak, that explains the Rambams. So now that we saw the Rambam, let's go back to the Mishnah of Chafayam and Aleph. It says the Mishnah Shluchi mitzvah p'tur mina sukkah. 
A person who's performing a mitzvah is exempt from sukkah. A sick person and the people who is, who's assisting him are exempt from sukkah. You can eat and drink. Now, why do we have all three of these cases? What's the Chiddush here? So my assumption is as follows. There's a Chiddush in this case. Why? Because here it's teaching us a universal principle. It's not unique to sukkah whatsoever. This is a general clause, a universal principle, that if a person's Isaac and a mitzvah, the Torah doesn't command them. What do you mean the Torah doesn't command them? We saw the Ritva. The Ritva asked, how come I need a pasuk for Isaac be mitzvah, patamina mitzvah? I know what mitzvah of. I'm involved in one mitzvah already. Why would I stop doing the mitzvah and perform another one? Explains the Ritva. Because, let's say the first mitzvah I'm involved in is a smaller mitzvah, and the second mitzvah that comes up is a bigger mitzvah. Logic would dictate, stop doing the smaller mitzvah, do the bigger one. Comes along the ritva, that's the pasuk. The pasuk tells me, no, that second mitzvah, you're not obligated in. It doesn't exist. It doesn't speak to you. The Torah is not talking to a guy who's doing a mitzvah right now. If that's true, so then, what's the first example? The first example of in our Mishnah of Shluchay Mitzvah is telling us a universal principle that this guy is exempt. The Torah is not talking to him. Why not? Since he's a Shluchay Mitzvah, the Torah didn't say to him, You're not here. Next, Why is Chulun Mishamshayin Patamina Sukkah? So Mishamshayin is a discussion, but why is Chulun? Chulun is a Teshvu Kain Teduru. Chulun is a Teshvu Kain Teduru. Teshvu Kain Teduru is a limitation, right? But Sukkah's Teshvu Shivas Yamim. Dwell in the sukkah seven days. How do you perform living in the sukkah? Kain Teduru. The definition of how the Torah spoke to you is the Torah said you have to live Kain Teduru in the sukkah. So now, if you're a Chulun, you're a Mitzdayer, there, the Torah never told you to be inside. Teshvu Kain Teduru. Yehochidrachim, the Torah never told you to be in the sukkah. So here we have a person who the never, Torah never spoke to, not because there's this universal principle that we could apply under other mitzvahs also, but because the nature of mitzvah sukkah, he's not obligated. This is a unique exemption, Medina sukkah, that he's not obligated to sit in the sukkah. That's why it necessitates its own bava, its own section of the Mishnah. So that's why we have Chulin Misham Sheyin. Now, I, we have lots of other cases. How can we pick Cholim? That could be. Because there's a bigger Chiddush that's also coupled with Cholim. That Cholim, we can learn that also. They can piggyback off them. Or they get a Yisigur Mitzvah, whatever it is. But there's an additional Chiddush. But the Ptur Cholim, that's a Teshvuk Ein Teduru. That's an archetype. There we can extend this principle of Teshvuk Ein Teduru. That Sukkah has a built-in exemption, a built-in limitation. That the Torah wasn't speaking to certain types of people. Lastly, Now, why, that, why not there? Why do we need this third case? So this is Zergeshmak. This is awesome. Came along the, the, the Rambam. The Rambam told us, People, the Torah wasn't talking to you. You, this guy, you're not Chayev, you're Potter. There was no mitzvah said by you. Halacha, hey, so how do you do the mitzvah? How do I do it? For the guy who is, yeah, obligated. How do I do the mitzvah? Halacha, vav, uichlin shesin. But not Achilles Aray. Achilles Aray, you don't have to do in the sukkah. Now like this. There's an additional Chiddush by Achilles Aray. Why? Because there's some guy, there's some people, who are yes chayiv in mitzvah sukkah. The Torah is talking to him. 
He's not mitzayer. He's not a sikkim mitzvah. He's a normal human Jew being. You're obligated in sukkah. But the action at all, the action you're doing is an action you have to do in a sukkah. You're eating. Eating? Eating, we saw already. Halacha, hey, you have to eat in a sukkah. Eating in the sukkah is a mitzvah. Halacha vav means it's an achilas aray. You're not eating so much. You're just snacking. So you could be a guy who's chayiv in sukkah. You could be a guy who's doing an action which has to be done in sukkah. But if you're not doing a lot of it, the Torah also doesn't speak to you. Unbelievable chiddush. The guy is not chayiv. The Torah never spoke to him. Because the amount the, the, of, of the action isn't enough to obligate him in the mitzvah itself. Now let's take it one step further. You know, we had a discussion, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai, on the Mishnah, on Chavav and Beis. They both, one was brought, they were brought two figs, a bucket of water, the other one was brought, a food to taste, and they said, "Hello, the sukkah, bring up to the sukkah." We asked, "Why? Why? Why?" It's not a chilas kfar; it's a chilas aray. Why did they bring up to the sukkah? So then, how come Rabbi Tzadok didn't eat in the sukkah? He ate downstairs. So we had two approaches here. One approach that even though there's not an obligation to eat a chilas aray in the sukkah, nonetheless, it's a mitzvah. You fulfill a mitzvah if you do eat it. We proved in the Rambam that when it comes to chilas aray. Based off the Shola Meshiv, there's actually no mitzvah whatsoever. The Torah never spoke to the guy who's eating Achilles Arai. So why did Yochanan Mitzak and Rabbi Gamliel eat up in the sukkah? A gzeira. If you get used to eating Achilles Arai outside of the sukkah, you might come to get used to eating Achilles Kva outside the sukkah also. And that we don't want. That we're very nervous about. So what do we make you do? Eat even your Achilles Arai inside the sukkah. Meaning to say that the Torah, not even the Torah's Kiyam Mitzvah, told you that there's something to do, that Achilles Arai has any connection whatsoever. Nothing. You don't have, there's no connection between Achilles Arai and what the Torah said, Therefore, comes along the Mishnah, the guy who's chayiv in sukkah, the guy who's doing action which has to be done in the sukkah, but it's not enough. Oh, comes along the Mishnah, our third case, and he's potter. Geschmack. So that's, I would understand the Rambam. That being said, so the Rambam is very great. The Rambam's great. Yeah, there's a difference between the exemption of Yeridus Kashamim and Mitzdayar. What's that difference? The difference is like, as Elvachik said, that when it comes to Mitzdayar, the guy is not obligated. The Torah never spoke to him. Yeridus Kashamim, the Torah spoke to you. For sure it spoke to you. Aye, the Torah spoke to you. So, how come you can go inside? Yeridus Kashamim is an allowance. It's a heter. Aye, the Gemara discussed it. The Gemara discussed... A technical detail. There's a precise reading of the Mishnah, but not that Svara dictates that it's a lower grade exemption. I there's a Mashal the that tells me that it's an Evid Shashefir Khusal Pnirabal. So there that that's telling me that there's no Kemas Baklal because it's a Simenklala, it's a bad omen. No. Maybe the worst omen is that when someone's yes obligated and the king's saying, Pour me my cup. And then he keeps hitting me with the hose, making me unable to do so. So, Hashem, that should be, I think it's a Gishmak Pshat the Rambam. I think it works with our Gemara. I think it leads to a beautiful explanation of our Mishnah on what the necessity of all three cases and what each one's coming to add. And our Mishnah back on Chafayam and Aleph. 
And it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a good chazara, a good wrap-up of what we did up until now. So, Mirza Hashem, next, uh, next time we're going to see the Mishnah Gemara, starting from Chavav, and start the next sugya afterwards, Rebbe Yezer, and Yudalad Sudas, and uh, looking forward.